We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mr. Roberts, let's dive into the mailbag, sir. We have a super sticker from T-Guns Crocs and Glocks with a 1545 super sticker. Appreciate you very, very, very much. We got a question here, Ryan, from Well, We're Waiting. I'm going to answer it first, and then you can kind of get into reading the questions after this, but this is more for yeah. you, and we'll kind of do, you know, if it's draft or you know, recruiting, I'll read it for you. This is from Well, We're Waiting, a little, little Caddyshack uh, reference there. <laughs> If Sam didn't run, Sam Hartman didn't run the delayed mesh at Wake, could he have been a first round pick this year instead of having to transfer to improve his stock? No, no. I mean, he look if if uh, if if Sam Hartman would have declared for this draft, I mean, well, no. Let, let me backtrack for a second. The slow mesh doesn't isn't the thing that that NFL evaluators want to see out of. Sam Hartman like that's not the difference of him being a really good prospect and him not being a really good prospect I think we kind of fixate on the slow mesh stuff so much right slow mesh is just a it's a it's a function of a running game right out of the RPO looks like that's what it is right that's not a oh my gosh he runs the slow mesh he can't play in the NFL level like that's not what it is it did keep him from showing certain things that other guys do but it's not like those things aren't still on his film there are still drop pure drop back passes and things like that on his film it doesn't it's not like running the option where you really don't know what a guy can do because he's running the triple option right where nothing is translatable right right where nothing's translatable it it doesn't mean that there aren't some technical things that have to get fixed and all that but that it's not something that's like oh my god if he wasn't doing that he's a first round pick it's just it's still annoying I think what NFL scouts want to see, yeah, so much stinks, man. It absolutely stinks. But what NFL scouts want to see is him doing it on a week-to-week basis. We talked about those pillar games again, right? We talked about the Ohio States, the Clemsons, the you know the USC's. They want to see Sam Hartman be able to play his best football in those types of games for one. We want to see that. Another thing you want to see is let's cut down on some of the turnover worthy bad turnovers, right? Yeah. Yes. The bad ones. Let's, let's make sure that we're being a little more careful with the football and let's make sure that we're processing consistently on a snap to snap basis. If he does those things, I think he could probably sneak on the day two of the draft. I don't think there's any world. And this is just my opinion. Some people might disagree and 
crazier things have happened, I guess. But I just I don't see first round tools with Sam Hartman. I think he has good tools. I don't think he has those types of tools where he's going to be that massive riser to go in the first round. But I think he was going to get drafted probably fifth, sixth, seventh, somewhere in that ballpark. So like mid late day three this year. If you told me that he had a really good year, if he could go in the third rounds, I believe you. I think that could happen. I think he could, he could sneak into day two. I just don't see first round tools. As and there's always some team falls in love with a guy, right? And they draft him where, where they are. You know, my response is always going to be this, Ryan. And it's going to be this until the end of time. If Christian Ponder can be a first round pick in this era, Sam Hartman can. But that, but we would all look back. I say that jokingly, but we all look back and say, but that was an obvious mistake. Yeah. There's always a chance some team. And this is what Ryan's saying. There's always some chance that some team falls in love with them and drafts them late in the first round or early second. There's always that chance, but you can't predict that. You can't predict that some team is going to fall in love with the guy beyond what everyone else on the planet is going to fall in love. Some team may panic. Remember the kid from, uh, was it Alabama State? They got picked in the first round a couple years ago. Oh, Titus Howard. And it's because like there was a run on tackles, and and that team, I think it was a Texas, like panicked. (laughs) Yes. Like I had no business going that high, but some team made a mistake or panicked or whatever. Those things can always happen, but I just don't see it, especially with and, who we expect to be in next year's draft. Yeah. I just and don't sh- I don't see it. Big shock. Titus Howard has not been very good in the NFL. Just Shocker. For, yeah. Yeah. Shocker. Yeah. Didn't see that coming. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From Call Me Ty says, if Ben Minich fills out physically by his senior year, is he still a safety? I know he isn't the tallest guy, but could he? Could you see him moving into the rover position? Uh, I don't. Um, I think a Don Shoulder is the yeah, more likely guy. Out of I don't the two see freshmen. him. No, I, I think he's still a thinner guy. I don't think if he maxes out his physicality, he's maybe a 200-pound safety. I think yeah. Ben Minich is a safety. I think now could he play like some nickel stuff? I was going to say that's different than being a rover to me. Yes, uh, nickel and I mean because Tariq Bracy played lined up the same place Jack Kaiser did didn't make him a rover. Yeah, so it may be something like that. But no, I, I think he's a third level guy to me. I think he's a guy you want playing on the third level of the defense. That's that's where I think Ben's game is. He's instinctive. He can run. He can cover a lot of ground. I think those are all spots you want on that third level. Yeah, I think so. I- I, th- I think he's a really nice boundary safety in this system where, like, you rotate him to the middle of the field. So he can do a lot of stuff working from depth, and I think it's really nice. To your point, I think he can do some nickel stuff, but, like, Rover and nickel are very different positions, right? right? Like, you don't want the alignments get reduced, and now Ben Minich is a Sam linebacker, right? Like, that's not where you want to live. That's not where you want him to make his money. Making his money is from working from depth on the third level. I agree completely. Yeah. 
All right, let's get to so so uh, let's get to the next one here from Wade Garrett. Wade I don't says, know why I keep it, doing that. I always say that I want you to read that, but I just can't help my pull it up. I don't know why I have that tick, man. I'm 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 sorry about you're that. You're good. You're good, man. Wade says, if you were Marcus Freeman, would you delay naming a starter until fall, assuming the competition is close, to try and prevent Tyler Buckner from going into the portal, if that's even a thought process? I hate that, man. I think that is so deceptive. Yeah. If that is the case, like I don't like that at all, mm-hmm. Wade. I don't. That's dishonest, man. Let's, like, it, let's just say, Ryan, that they do that, and yeah. Tyler Buckner's never going to trust them again. Ever again in his life, yeah. And now you've not only done that, but you've now screwed the kid. Be honest with him. And, and look, based on Marcus Freeman's track record, I fully anticipate them being completely honest with Tyler Buckner. They, that's exactly why Drew Pine transferred. They could have easily, easily manipulated Drew Pine into, to where he stayed for the bowl game. Easily. Yeah. They didn't. They told him before the portal opened that this is what's going to happen, and that's why Drew jumped in the portal when it opened because yep. they were honest with him. I'd be surprised and very disappointed if they did that. You you delay naming a starter because you feel like you're not in a position yet where you it's good for you to name one, which can come of two ways. One is Sam hasn't outplayed Tyler to the degree where you should name him the starter yet. Or two – you don't feel your football team is in a place yet where there that you you have you need to name one, and a big part of this, and I discussed this on a show I was on the other day, and it was I, I got to remember the name of the show. I'm so I can't believe, but they did a great. These two guys had me on it, Jason and uh, and Eric. They did a great job with some of the questions. But the thing that I said was it's it's about the quarterback competition. Is it's not always just about okay, this guy's better than that guy. Sometimes it's about you need to make sure that Sam Hartman is one over his teammates completely by before you name him. And you've got to make sure that you have made it clear that Sam has had to earn it because it's not only just about your quarterback room. It's about if your football team does not believe that your starting quarterback who transferred from the outside truly won that job, you're going to create a split in your locker room. Yeah. It's a fact. So there's all types of things that go into this besides just is Sam out playing Tyler or whatever the case may be. Timing is important too. Now, do I anticipate Tyler Buckner starting this year? Not barring injury. I think Sam's going to be the guy. And and I don't want to delay it to keep Tyler here. I think that's dishonest and unfair to Tyler. I hope that Tyler stays because he understands the bigger picture of what's at stake here. And because he wants to be at Notre Dame. And if he does that, then I think they're going to be fine. But you never, ever, ever keep a kid in your school by lying. And that's it, that's what it is, right? It's it's lying to him. Yeah. It's You know the answer, but you're telling him, no, 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 it's still a battle. That's a lie. That, that, that's just a flat-out lie. It's impossible to buy into someone if you don't trust them, man. That's like, right. in the, If there's no buy-in, at the end of the day, like when there's a big game or there's a big play that's on the line – how can I trust the coach to put me in the right position if I can't even trust him to be honest with me? Right. Like I, there's just that deception, I think really goes from the top all the way to the bottom, man. And it absolutely kills programs. Right. I really do. Like, I just, I mean, just from a moral perspective, I don't like that at all. I don't like it. Like it's it, that you're hurting that kid's future potentially by lying right. to him because you're not only messing right. up your relationship with him, a place that he's now stuck at quote unquote, you're also not letting him have the opportunity to do what he wants to do, right? right. To make his own decision. So I don't like that at all. It, it happens, right? Like people do that. Sure. But I, Marcus so Freeman doesn't strike me as that kind. I mean, and, and not even just personally, he doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. From a track record standpoint, he hasn't been that way so far. 
Yeah. He's been very upfront and honest with kids, which is why you've seen certain, a, a number of kids transfer because they've been, hey, look, you just there's no plans for you here. You're not going to play here. So I just it, I'd be surprised by that and incredibly disappointed. But there's no evidence that Marcus Freeman would do that kind of thing. And I understand where Wade's coming from because you're about it's about protecting your team and all that. But it just sure. you can't do it that way. You, yep. you can't do it that way. I, I'll read this one real quick. This is from Ryan Michael. It says, happy anniversary. Did you enjoy it? What did you do to celebrate? Uh, Ryan, thank you very much for that. I did very much. It, you know, I ended up kind of taking most of the day off. And I, you know, day off for me, Ryan. You know, I'm still, like, doing work. But we kind of hung out a little bit and just talked and um, just kind of enjoyed each other's company. My wife loves Ruth's Chris. So uh, what I what I did is I um, used some of the – I my work credit card and my credit cards, I get like gift cards. And so I use, you know, the money I've spent on things to get a Roos Chris gift card. So it wouldn't sting as much because <laughs> those are expensive bills. So I had a, a nice gift card for that, but now we went there and enjoyed it and, and spent some time together and then came back last night and hung out again last night. So I was going to do a show, but I was like, you know what? Like, I just, I didn't want to, I wanted to hang out with, with my wife. I actually like my wife quite a bit. So I like spending time <laughs> with her when I can. So, uh, yeah, we just relaxed, uh, really and hung out, which is nice. Cause I mean, I've already kind of got our anniversary presents before. Um, so yeah. Um, so yeah. And then I'm, we're going to go out, she needs a new Apple watch. So we're just going to go out and buy a Apple watch today. It's going to, cause I guess the 15th anniversary is like the timepiece thing and she can't buy me a watch cause I don't wear watches, but you know, for her, she needs a new Apple watch. So I'm going to go buy her a new Apple watch. Nice. So that's what we're going to plan to do. For which, today. Are, which are also yeah. very expensive. So. Yeah, they are. They are. <laughs> they are. That's why that's Ryan. That's why I'm such a tightwad, man. You know this. <laughs> so I can take care of my wife. So uh, but yeah, no, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. All right, let's get back on track here. Next question is from John A1. Thank you for the question, John. What are the differences between Sam Hartman and Tyler Buckner overall in the run game? Attack both positives and negatives. There's over on the run game. I mean, I think the biggest difference, Ryan, is obvious. It's Tyler is a a weapon in the the the, the run game, whereas Sam will make plays with his legs, but it's more as a a extender. chain mover, a yeah. ex, extender to a degree. But a lot of his runs are him stepping into the pocket and taking off because he's a good athlete. He's just not a runner. But yeah. when he does run, he can run from. He's got a couple twenty yard touchdown runs under his belt. He, as we mentioned, he had eleven rushing touchdowns in twenty twenty one. A lot of those were plays breaking down, him stepping into the pocket and, and running. There's a little bit of Ian Book to him in that regard, right? I think Ian's a, a more explosive athlete than t- Sam has. I don't I don't see Sam running the four or fives like Ian did, but as far as most of Ian's runs came from pass plays breaking down. Yeah. And that's where Sam's will come from. Whereas with Tyler, his he's going to actually make plays with his legs as part of the run game, which we saw in the bowl game last year in throughout his freshman year. Other differences are, as of right now, Sam's a little bit ahead of Tyler for what they've done in their career in the RPO game. From yeah. a decision-making standpoint, that's an extension of the run game. I think that how you defend a Tyler Buckner-led offense in the run game is going to be different. You have to be much more conscious of the direct over overhang and edge when Tyler's in the game for two reasons. One is not just the pulls, but also Notre Dame likes to run the counter stuff with Tyler. You have to defend that a lot differently than when you you are with Sam. You have to defend empty differently with Sam than Tyler because, as we saw in the bowl game last year, Tyler can, can drop, and, and it, whether it be a designed run or part of an RPO, because Notre Dame will run a concept, and a lot of teams with mobile quarterbacks will do this, Ryan, is they'll either go empty or four wide, 
and they'll basically run a concept in the pass game, and the quarterback takes a quick drop, and if the quick game is there, he throws it. Or if he reads it correctly, he'll fake a drop and then go because his read took him to go. So it's an RPO type of read uh, that you'll have. And that's going to be a lot more dangerous with Tyler than Sam. Uh, so I think those are aspects of it. But then I think the other part is is Sam's effectiveness in the pass game is a little different than Tyler's. And then there's going to be – that's going to alter how you defend the run game there as well. So I think those, for me, are the primary ways that you're going to see the, the run game get impacted by – depending on who's in the, who's in the game. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest key is you, you hit on it, right? Is that there's a variety to the run game from a quarterback run game perspective, right? Like not talking as much about the RPO game, but like you can run the zone read, you can run quarterback power. You can even run quarterback sweep if you wanted to with Tyler Buckner, like you can do all that different type of stuff. You can run speed option with them if you wanted to. Sam Hartman's much more inside zone you to death. And then, Oh, Guy collapsed, I'm going to take it out the back door now for a nice little gain, right? Or your ability to nothing's open, nothing's open, third and four, I'm going to get six on a scramble, right? And be able to step up into the pocket. But from a quarterback run game perspective, not counting RPO, John, just again to kind of like reiterate, it's that you're a lot more varied on what you can do with Tyler just because he is a legit athlete, man. Like Tyler, I mean, he could play other positions if he wanted to, right? Like from an athleticism perspective. Mm -hmm. Sam is a true quarterback, but he can do enough with his legs where you have to stay you have to stay disciplined on the backside of runs. You have to stay disciplined or else he can't pull it and he can get you 10, 15 yards on a scramble or he can pull it inside the 10 and then score a touchdown off the backside. Like he's that type of runner in my opinion. Agree. Let's get to this next one from uh, from John A1. John said, if a raw but extremely explosive wide receiver is a spring and roll lead, how far along can a good wide receiver coach be expected to develop that player by midseason of the freshman year? That really depends on the player. you know. Well, like how it we- depends on the player. It depends on the depth chart. It depends on the yeah. offense. For example, it's going to be a little harder to get Braylon James going by the middle of the season the, on this current team than it would have been maybe in 2018. The reason I say that is because 2018, there was such a lack of depth behind behind the couple veterans that the freshmen, you needed Kevin Austin to play. You almost had to force him into the rotation, which they did early in the field, early in the season. And that's going to create a lot more rep opportunities. The reality is when you have Tobias and you have Lorenzo and you have Jaden and you have to you have Dion and you have Caleb Smith and you have Matt Salerno and you have the other freshmen that are there with you, it's hard to justify taking those reps to give to Braylon to push him into a rotation by the middle of the next season. So there's just going to be a little less opportunity there. You're not going to maybe keep him with the ones at the start of fall camp, or I mean the start of the season, because he's the number six or seven guy and you need, you want to give your scout team a look. Whereas if you're got three or four guys and then not a lot else, you're going to force him into being with that one group. So uh, you may force it along a little bit more. And I don't think Braylon is so good compared to the other players on the roster that you need to necessarily force him to that degree. Now, I personally think that what I would say would be more so is, is not so much that I'm, I got to develop him to where he can be a, an every down player, but I still feel like a guy with Braylon James's speed, I've got to find something for him to do. Even if it's like, Hey, early on the season, we're going to get you in kind of early of a couple blowouts and we're going to throw you the ball and try to get you going because if, if the light can go on sometime during your year one, you just added a six, two and a half, six, three kid that can run faster than anybody else that you have at that position. 
Yep. And, and that's kind of where, where, where I, where, how I view that one. So uh, it just depends on a lot of different circumstances for, 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 for a guy. And then the other part, Ryan too, is, is where is his game? I mean, yeah. There's all types of different raw. There's raw technically, and then there's raw physically. If it's a raw technical thing, then I can get that guy ready by his freshman year. If it's, if he's an early enrollee, if sure. he's raw physically, I can't work. I mean, the whole miracle drug to work him quickly is illegal. It's called steroids and HGH, and I'm not doing that, right? So he's going to need time. You know, Jason Robinson yes. may is going to be as technically ready to play as anybody that Notre Dame could potentially land in the 2024 class, but he may not be ready to play a lot of snaps as a freshman physically. Yeah. You know, may he might be. You know, we'll see. I'm just using an example of a guy that's a dramatic the other way. Yeah, he has the the his game is like college ready now as a route runner. I mean, like right now, yep. but he's 145, 150 pounds. So <laughs> you know, but uh, that that's going to kind of be bigger question mark. Hey, hey, there. Jason Robinson is listed at 170. I don't know what you're talking okay. about. Man. He ain't 170. Pounds. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. I know yeah. he's not. You know, but you look at like the Jahan Dotson, right? Like Jahan Dotson became a great player, but his first two years, he was just kind of a lightly used rotation guy. He thought caught 13 passes in eight games as a freshman in 2018. You know, you bring him along, but that's kind of where I'm at on it too. Right? I, I could see Braylon like catching, you know, six to eight passes, but it's like 25 yards a pop and maybe a touchdown or two. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just some, create some big plays. I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here's a funny quote. Here's a funny one here, Ryan. From Domer Grizz says, which reference is better for the mums, the word injury reporting approach this year? All men's that ailments. shall. Oh, I'm sorry. Ailments that shall not be named Voldemort's or we don't talk about injuries. No, no, no. Oh, the Bruno reference. I know that one. For you, sure. Have you not seen Harry, the Harry Potter? No, I've seen Harry Potter. Okay. I actually just watched um the, I, I just watched the Deathly Hallows part two the other day okay. for the first time in a long time. So yes, I've seen Harry. Okay. Yep. Uh, I would say it's most it's a little bit more of um, it's kind of a combination of of both. There's time like right after practice. It's no, 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 no. But then afterwards, (laughs) it's like, okay, you know, it's uh, an ailment that shall not be named. And, you know, whatever. It's just I'm not going to comment on this. It's just so the the bruno the bruno stuff is uh it's ingrained in my mind for having a two-year-old so i'll I'll defer to that one yeah and canto yeah all right here we go movie it's pretty here's a here's a fun one ryan here we go yeah from well we're waiting you're not your top five notre dame tight ends of all time or time you were alive it's a good one Time so I've I, been alive. I yeah. only go with time I've been alive, Ryan. Yeah. I mean, I, I just I, I I never saw Ken McAfee play. I never saw Dave Casper play. I can't I can't reference them. So sure. for me, it's late '80s and beyond. So I, Mark Bavaro is not on my list because I never I know what Mark Bavaro was in the pros. Sadly, yes. as a Broncos fan, but I don't know what he was in college. The top two are easy: it's Michael Mayer and Tyler Eifert. That's an easy yes. one. Yep. After that, it gets a little bit fuzzy because. Some of the guys that are, to me are no brainers, like Irv Smith would be a no brainer, but Irv Smith's production was like, ugh. it wasn't that great, but mm-hmm. he was just really good. He was really talented. He was just a, a product of a system that, for a team that threw, that didn't throw the ball a lot to tight, I mean, for a team that produced tight ends the way that Notre Dame produced tight ends in, in, in college, Ryan, it is, it is amazing to me how little production that they had during the Lou Holtz era. Yeah. I mean, it really is wild. It, it really is wild when you, when you look at it. Like they just they just didn't put up a lot of stats. I mean, 
they made big plays, but they didn't put up a lot of stats. I mean, Herb Smith and Derek Brown were back-to-back uh, first-round draft picks. I mean, starting tight ends. Irv, Irv Smith only had one season where he caught more than six passes, and that year was 20 catches for 262 yards and two touchdowns. Right, he was a first-round pick. Derek Brown never had more than 22 catches or 325 yards in a season. That's like a good month for Michael Mayer. You know what I mean? <laughs> or a good season offenses. for Josh Wiley. Yeah. It's just different <laughs> offenses. But Irv Smith was really good. Yeah. I was not a huge Kyle Rudolph fan in college because he just was never healthy. When he played, he was pretty good. But, like, you know, John Carlson had kind of just that one good year. Anthony Fasano had a couple good years. You know, if I'm going to top five in my life, Mayer, Eifert, Irv Smith, Derek Brown, and I'd have to pick between Kyle Rudolph and, and Anthony Fasano probably would be my my next my next group. Yeah. Maybe John Carlson. Those three are battling it out for my number five spot, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's Michael Mayer, Tyler Eifert. We have the same top two. It would probably be John Carlson. I know you said he only had one season, but it was a well, his, really good. His year. last year wasn't his fault. He had forty catches for three hundred seventy yards on that o, that O seven yeah. team. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. In O six with Brady Quinn, he was really good. Yeah, and he had, he ended up being fault. a he ended up being a good pro for a few years as well. So he would probably be three. Number four is probably Anthony Fasano. Anthony Fasano was really good his last two years, right? And then number five is like. For your age, I'm surprised. Cole Komet, Cole Komet, Komet. or Durham Smythe? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably Cole Komet. I probably yeah. Cole did you, Komet have, you had Kyle five. Rudolph in there, right? Didn't you say he was I did four? not have Kyle Rudolph in there, no. Okay, I mean, I he should be in there over Cole Komet, in my opinion, because he was still That's productive. Fine. I mean, he yeah. was still productive. He just never played a full season. Yeah. Um, you know, but, uh, I mean, Cole Komet's last year at Notre Dame was, was pretty good. Yeah, he was really but good. He was His game against Georgia that year was awesome. Oh, man. man. game against Georgia. Yes, yeah. he was excellent. <laughs> Yeah, and and to me, you know, I thought there was a game. I mean, there's a lot of games where he should have had even more production than he did. I mean, a lot yeah. more production than he did. And but Kyle Rudolph still had three years of over 28 catches or more and over 300 yards. I mean, he still had over a thousand career yards. You know, no yeah. name. So turned uh, into a good NFL player. I'm okay too. with you putting Cole Komet over Kyle Rudolph. That's fine. Yeah, I just was curious one. as to to kind of how how it is. So yeah, that's an interesting one. Very interesting one. All right, here we go, Ryan. Let's keep rolling. From Andre Tonsil, within each position group, name one player that's going to be your standout player for the year. Okay, it's an interesting one. Ryan, let's go quarterback, Sam, Sam Hartman. Hartman. Yep. Running back, Andre Gestime. Agree. Wide receiver, I'm going Tobias. I'll go Deion Colsey. Okay, I like that. You're sticking to your guns. I'm digging that. Tight end, yep. Mitchell Evans. Another one. Okay, I'll be with you on that one. Offensive line, let's take Joe, Joe Alt out. Let's take Joe Alt oh. out. And say who else? That's a too Blake, easy one. Blake Fisher. Blake okay. Fisher. I'm leaving there. D line. Riley Mills. Ah, see, I was going to trick you and go with that one, but uh, you you took it. That's a good one. Linebacker. Yeah. JD. Agree. Yes. Now JD will be standout. I think that, but I could see us talking a lot about Jalen Snead and Nolan Ziegler by season I end hope so, man. Plays. I could see. I that. really hope so. Uh, let's go corner. Corner, Benjamin Morrison, or Cam mm-hmm. Hart. I mean, you could have either one. <laughs> yep, pick one. And then safety. This is an easy one for me. Xavier Watts. Agree. Agree. A lot of agreement there, Mr. Roberts. We're going to have to talk about this because, you know. Yeah. yeah we, I, we I start would, thinking would, too much I, the I same would, way. It might be I went scary. first on a lot of those. I went you first did? No, you did. You did. Yeah. I just was agreed. Let's keep rolling. We agree. We agree. Let's roll. 
All right, here we go. T guns, Crocs, and Glocks. Let's roll. Potential to have Jabron Payne and the Jadarian Price back for kickoff return left and right. Who gets more chances to return? Who has a higher return average? Which one takes it to the house first? Well, I wouldn't assume that Chris Tyree won't be back there this year. I don't think yeah. that's a safe assumption. Of those two, I mean, there's just potential. There's potential there, Ryan, for sure. If Chris yeah. Tyree's, I've said this before. I'm not going to change my mind now. If Chris Tyree is getting a lot of burn on offense and a lot of touches, so he's averaging around 10 touches a game, I'm totally fine with him putting either Jadarian Price, some combination of Jadarian Price and and Jerron Payne and Jeremiah Love and Micah Bell back as kick returners. I'm totally fine with that. And taking Chris Tyree completely off of it. If he's getting a lot of burn consistently on a receiver. Yeah. You know, just to take some of the wear and tear and create opportunities for those young guys to get touches. With Jadarian, it just depends on so much on does he get his burst back or not. And I just we haven't yeah. seen him practice yet. So I can't I can't speak that he is. So it's potentially there. Uh, who who would get first chance? I would imagine Jadarian in that scenario. Yeah. But having Jabron back there is not an outlandish thing because he's already done it. I mean, we've already seen him be back there, and I'd have no problem with him being back there doing it as well. I think you have some legit options of kick return this year, man. Yeah. Like, there's not really bad answers here, right? It's like Jadarian would be really good. I think Jeremiah Love would be very good. Chris Tyree has had very good moments as a kick returner right. already in his Notre Dame career. Jabron Payne, I think, is a player that would be good in that situation. Out of this, though, I mean, Tommy, in, in your situation, I think the Jadarian would probably be the better kick returner if he's healthy. I mean, obviously, yeah. there's that. Explosive. There's like caveats here, yeah. but he's a very explosive player, no doubt. Yeah. All right. Here's one, Ryan, from Bailey Brad. And their question is, with Caleb Downs already making noise in Alabama's spring practice, what are some recruits from last year you are excited to see on the field in 2023? Well, let's take out the pain in my heart for as a Notre Dame fan (laughs) for these. Uh, Caleb Downs is definitely one. Dante Moore is one. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Dante is going to do this year at – Really look forward to seeing what he's going to do this year, Ryan, in uh, yeah. in a UCLA uniform. I, I really am. He's going to be fun to watch, I think. I really do. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, Dante Moore, I think, is going to be the starting quarterback for UCLA probably like week three. Yeah. <laughs> probably, right? Like, Or, I think or he's quarter be- three of week one. I mean, you know it's what I mean? Possible. Like, It's very it's, possible, man. If they're smart, if Chip Kelly's smart, I, I'd really like to see him. Actually, let me look at their schedule. Let me just look at UCLA's schedule real quick because this factors into it as well, Ryan, kind of what their yeah. schedule looks like. Um, let's go to USC 2023 football schedule. They start off with Coastal Carolina, then play at San Diego State, then home against NC Central. Like if I if I if I'm them and I'm smart, I'm bringing him off the bench against Coastal and San Diego State, and then I'm his first career start is going to be against um, NC Central. That's what I would do. Make his first start an easy one. Don't make his first career start at Utah. Right. Like just don't do that. Just no, don't do that. Yeah, but he's. This is probably my favorite player in the class too. Just like the yeah, guys, man. Like I loved Caleb Downs. Just... Yeah, your your mic just went out, Ryan. You're now you're now being uh, you're we're not hearing you through the computer. Okay, one so second. I just heard it, uh, it go out. So yeah, uh, some other guys. I mean, look, I think I think oh, it's going to be fun. We're not they're not going to put up probably big numbers because there's so many other there's just. There's so many other good receivers there, but I think at least one Ohio State receiver is going to step up this year, and I'm looking forward to seeing who that's going to be as sort of a 
you know, nice number three or four that become that is going to be the guy the next year, whether it's Brandon Ennis or Cardinal Tate or Noah Rogers. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing those guys kind of play next year. I think they're going to be really, really good players. Uh, well, can I give you an underrated one? one yeah. that's maybe not as like he won't have a pronounced freshman year, but I think you'll get a glimpse. I think Pierce Sperlin for Georgia as okay. the backup tight end could like you'd be like, oh, who the heck's that kid? And then all of a yeah. sudden he's the tight end one in 2024. Like he's yeah. that type of kid, I think. I like Deuce Robinson at USC. I think he's yeah. going to be fun to watch in that offense. I hope he doesn't play well in the last, in, you know, in that October game against him. But I, he's a guy that I think is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, uh, so, you know, I'm trying to think of some other guys that are actually going to play a lot as freshmen. R- R- Rodney Gallagher's probably going to be a dog for West Virginia. Yeah, so. they're going to need him. <laughs> they're going to definitely need him. There's they no are. doubt about that. There's no doubt about that. Now, the Pierce Sperlin one is interesting, and that I mean Georgia really needed Deuce Robinson, man. They really, yeah, really needed him, in my opinion. Zachariah Branch is going to be another interesting guy at USC. I'm curious to see if they're able to use him in the return game at all. I'm very He's lightning in a bottle, gonna, man. Yeah, He's he really in a is. Bottle. He really yeah. is. I'm curious to see if Jeremiah Cobb can get on the field at Auburn. He's a running back, very underrated running back that well, actually ended up not being underrated when it was all said and done. But he's a running back that I like a lot. Uh, Texas got a safety from from Louisiana that I love that I could see getting on the field next year. A kid named Derek Williams. Have you ever seen him? No. Love Derek Williams as a player, and that's a position where I think you know they they might they might need a little bit of help. So those are some of the guys just kind of off the top of my head, Ryan. That. Um, that I think could be, uh, you know, here's one. Here's a freshman I think could end up doing something. I think I don't know why he's not ranked higher by some people, but Shelton Sampson. I could see yeah. Shelton. You know, I've always talked about Shelton Sampson, man. You know, I love that kid's game. It would not shock me one bit if Shelton Sampson's playing a bunch for USC or for LSU this year. Uh, it would not yeah. shock me at all. Tall kid can stretch the field. I think he brings an element that they need a little bit more of in their offense. Is just that big, tall, vertical guy. I, I could see him playing that role for them this year, for sure. Those are some other guys that kind of pop in my head as, as uh, you know, guys we might see, not non-Notre Dame guys that we might see early for their career. Yeah. So I think Dylan Edwards is going to is going to get the ball at Colorado. Oh, probably a lot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's a guy that I think will do some stuff there. You know, again, we're talking some of the guys that Notre Dame recruited, but those are guys that just kind of like rivals and you have Shelton Sampson in the top 100 make that make sense for me. I just, <laughs> I don't understand that. I just don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. Here's one from Chile two, one, seven, seven. The question is it's been said Ohio state offered a five-star Indiana kid before he had any stars. Mylon Graham is heartline just that good at identifying talent. And did we offer too late? Notre Dame offered him this past summer. Yeah. Um, the reason Notre Dame had no chance of getting Mylon Graham into school is because – into the class is because they couldn't get Mylon Graham into school. And I don't want to dive too deep into that, but, I mean, he just – Ohio State – look, Ohio State offered him four days before Notre Dame did. I mean, that's they, – they beat him by four days. That's not going to keep him from wanting to go to Notre Dame. Because yeah. Notre Dame wasn't going to offer him until he came on. He was coming for the Irish invasion. He they offered him at the Irish invasion. So uh, he he's good at identifying talent, sure. But yeah. Mylon Graham wasn't a surprise to anybody. Notre Dame loved Mylon Graham. They still love Mylon Graham as a player. They just can't get him into school, and so that's why there was never any traction there. 
And so. he's going to be great. He's going to be great at Ohio State. So yeah, it's a good great, question, great Chili, because I get Chili's question is or Chili's question is like you're looking at a kid that's from Fort Wayne. Notre Dame's had some really yeah. good players from Fort Wayne. Why why aren't you recruiting this kid? How do you let a kid an hour and a half from your campus go to Columbus? Because they, no, they they couldn't get him. They just yeah. couldn't get him in school. So it's a very very fair question. But I I have no problem hammering Notre Dame for misses. We've had this con. We've I mean how many times have we hammered them for not getting on Justin Scott sooner and not making him a. Yeah. a it, so I don't mind doing it if it's correct. It's just in this instance, I there's just nothing the staff could have done with this one. Yeah. And they got on. I mean, I think Notre Dame was the second big offer he had, I believe. So I, I don't fault Some, him on that one. Right? Some things are out of the coaching staff's control. It really is. It really That's is. One right, let's keep rolling here. Question from Irish Blooded. When would you say is the last year Notre Dame had an overall offense with this much upside? 2015. Easy. 2015. I mean, it, they haven't had an offense with this much ceiling since 2018-15. It's not even close, Brian. It's not even close, in my opinion. Everything working. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, agree. Loaded. I mean, because again, we're talking about going into the season where yeah. I, I Torian Folston and CJ Procise and Durham Smite the tight end and Malika quarterback and all the talent you had coming back in the offensive line and Will Fuller and Amir Carlisle, you know, finally becoming a full-time receiver late in the year. I mean, that team, and you had a freshman class coming in of Equinemia St. Brown. And and Kevin Stefferson and and CJ Sanders coming oh, in. Man. Like, oh man, Kevin Stefferson still gosh. breaks my heart, man. He still yes. breaks my heart. <laughs> I mean, so you're you're uh, you're talking about? Or excuse me, no, I'm sorry. Uh, see, Stefferson was in the next year's class. It, mm-hmm. The 15 class was uh, Equinemia St. Brown, Miles Boykin, and CJ Sanders. Still good. Was in that class. <laughs> it's a very good class. So, and, and I liked Mike Denbrock as a play caller. I did. And you had Harry Heaston as your offensive line coach. So, you know, I was excited about Archie Denson coming in as the running backs coach, replacing Tony Alford. I thought, you know, he could maybe keep that going. Yeah, 15, 15 uh, is without question the last time. And this group has a chance to be better than that because this team will have a better defense, in my opinion. And uh, I think this team be a little bit more. CJ Procise is really dynamic, but he wasn't mm-hmm. a natural running back. And you got into against some of the better teams on the schedule. Like he couldn't, he couldn't find the holes that were there for three, four, five yards against Clemson and Ohio State in limited time before he, you know, got knocked out of that game as well. And then of course he couldn't take the pounding because he wasn't used to it, which is why he, part of the reason he got hurt that sure. season and got knocked out. But man, with him being the number two with Folston, that would have been so much fun to watch. Yes, so much fun to watch. All right, let's 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 move on, Rye. From T-Guns, Crocs and Glocks, I know we don't really do the transitive property things, but since Clemson struggled with both Hartman's passing and Notre Dame's running, can we assume Notre Dame is putting 60 up on them this year? Oh, my gosh. uh, Are you kidding me? You're setting high standards there, Tommy. Setting high standards. Can we Uh, we just win for the second straight year? Like, Can we Uh, just win? (laughs) Yeah. No. Yeah, that's – no. They're not going to hang 60 on them. And luckily, we all know that the transitive property doesn't work. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Let's go to Joe Medina. Let's get the uh, sure. last two before you got to get out of here, Ryan, and then I'll answer a okay. couple more before we go. From Joe, we said, how's Hartman doing in spring practice? I've heard other Notre Dame insiders say he's struggling, which is understandable given the change of offense. I don't think he's really struggling and that my sources haven't indicated this. I, I think part of the issue is is understanding what a practice is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. like practices if every practice is structured different you're working on different things so 
from what I've been told and what we had on our Intel piece, Joe, I mean, we had it on our message board last week that he's been better than advertised. Does he look like he's in midseason form? No, of course not. But he's been good. I mean, he's throwing yeah. he's throwing the ball up, developing a relationship with the players, the receivers, and he's been good. He's been good. So's Tyler. They've both been very good so far. Uh, I think people are overreacting a little bit too much to a blitz practice, a practice where they literally spent the entire practice blitzing. And anyone who's ever coached football a day in their life knows that's not going to be a day where your quarterbacks are going to look any good unless your defense is garbage. Yeah. And Notre Dame's defense is not garbage. They are not. They are not. Super chat from Mark One. Thank you so much, Mark. I think Sam is an upgrade. I like Chris moving the receiver since the backfield is loaded. What's your thoughts? Sam is an upgrade. I 100% mm-hmm. agree. Uh, based upon what we saw last year for Notre Dame, there's no yes. doubt he is an upgrade. Chris, huge. moving the wide receiver. Huge. That's huge upgrade. Sorry, I undersold it there. Massive yeah. upgrade there, Sam Hartman. There's no doubt. The Chris Tyree, I, like, I'm still – Honestly, Mark, I'm still wrapping my mind around it in the sense that I want to see exactly how he's used all the time, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, th- I think it opens endless possibilities. I love it in the sense that, like, let's get him involved in the screen game. You know, some easy, you know, option routes underneath. Let's get him some jet sweeps. Let's work him in the backfield at times. Like, I think there's so many things, cool things that you can do with Chris Tyree in that running back wide receiver hybrid position. Just want to kind of see what they have planned. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't think you 100% know exactly what they're going to do with them, but it's interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. Yep. I um I like the move as if it was still doing both. That's the only thing. I still want to see him, and he can even do it at a receiver. I still want to see Chris Tyree getting the football on handoffs. That's my only thing. That's my only thing. So uh, that that's a big part for me. Ryan, do you, you got to run? I got, I'm going to get a couple more questions in. I know you yep. got to run. It's going to get a couple more here. There's a, a couple more questions that I, I, I wanted to kind of get to. Uh, we're not going to be able to get to all of them because, like I said, we, we do have to kind of run. Here was one from Mike Sullivan I did want to address. Mike asked, can we trust Sam Hartman enough to not run a scan offense all game? Absolutely. That's gone. Now, there will be times, and every spread air raid offense does this, you're going to look to the sideline at times, and that's something they should do. It's just not something you want to do as much as Notre Dame did last year. That was way too much. They did it way too much last year. And so you'll see some of that, but they're not going to run it as, you know, to the point where like you can call the offense a scan offense. So I, I think, um, I think that's going to, that's, we're not going to see that. We're not going to see that. Ray Holcroft asks, seems Notre Dame has a lot of talent at the wide receiver position, elite talent. What are the steps a receivers coach takes to help receivers reach their potential? No, there's several. This is a great question, Ray. Number one is obviously you've got to get them comfortable with the basics fundamentals and, and the reason I say that first and instead of the offense and what I think a mistake a lot of football coaches make is when players aren't certain of what they're doing fundamentally, it's going to hold back their ability to go make plays schematically. I think the biggest thing to do, that's why I've said the spring needs to be a big back to basics period for football teams. You line up, technique, attention to detail, all the finer points of playing the position mechanically, technically, fundamentally. I think that's a big one. A, a, a great attention to detail always demanding it's not good enough just always pushing them pushing them pushing them take value your craft value your craft value your craft those are very very important parts of 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 playing that position number two i think the next part is just really finding things that they all do well and building on those things that they all do well first and then as they master those things then start improving some of the areas that you need to improve Uh, i think the other part of it is obviously schematically I think one thing Nerdin does a good job of with their receivers is they teach them the past concepts holistically. 
and how they all play together. And I think that's important for receivers. I think it's it's not wise to necessarily teach a guy only his position. It's one thing if you're talking about like a freshman who you're going to put into one spot and he's going to run some basic routes, but even then he's got to understand what's happening around him or he's not going to necessarily understand how to break off his routes properly. So I think just teaching them schematically. And then the last part is you've got to balance putting them in positions where they're going to, to, to not have good days and to really press them and also combine that with, with building up their confidence. You can't make it so easy that you're put always put them in a position to be successful. I've talked about this in the past. You, you've got to have p- periods and practices, and this is what I think the open practice was for us, is you've got to have practices where uh, – not that – the des- let, me, let me make sure I'm clear on this. I'm not saying the open practice was designed to be this for us. What I'm saying is the, the open practice we saw was designed to be a day where the offense was put being put in a lot of tough situations because the defense was working on their dime, their nickel, their blitz packages, and that's going to be tough for an offense that's in practice like five or six. And it's good because that those are days where you really learn mental toughness. You you fail, you have some failure. Okay, how do we pick that up? What do we got to do differently next time? And it helps build up mental toughness and also helps you see who is really the mentally tough guys that can bounce back from a practice like that. But then you as a coach have to say, okay, but now my goal is that we had a rough day. Now my goal is say, okay, how do I get on them? But also then build them up to say, hey, we're going to go out there next time and really get after it. Uh, So I think the technical, the schematic, and the mental parts are the key. And the mental part is not schematic for me. The mental part has to do with confidence, has to do with their self-belief as a player, their ability to, to handle adversity to handle dropping a ball, running a route wrong, getting ripped by the coach, getting beat off the line, whatever the case may be, mentally, how do they handle success? How do they handle failure? And how can you help them maintain peak confidence? I think those are all very, very important parts, very important parts of um, of, of what it's like to be a, a really great receivers coach. And the last, and, and that kind of, plays into another question that Ray had earlier about how much emphasis importance do you place in the mental part of the game for a receiver to be great? Uh, Fuller seemed to have great focus. It seems to be an intangible that is hard to assess in a player. It's incredibly important. And it's not just about focusing on the ball, but it's, it's what I just talked about. It's the, the ability to, to take pride in your craft, but also to mentally know that, know the if you don't have your technique mastered, then you're not going to create the same separation on how much you have the scheme mastered. And if you have the, and if you have the fundamentals mastered, but not the scheme, then you're still, you're not going to be as good as you need to be. The mental part of the game is important. And and to your point that the, the mental part of the game to your question, Ray, can mean, can mean schematic and can mean understanding how to get open, how to work the field, how to handle this guy, how to handle that guy. And you've worked on it so much that it's just natural. Okay. Guys playing me here. I just, I just look at him. Outside leverage, six yards off the ball, slanted this way. I know how I got to tackle him. And then if he moves post-snap, I immediately know how to alter it. It just becomes second nature, right? So they say like riding a bike. It just becomes second nature. You just, I just know. Get on the bike. I know what to do. I know where to go. I know how to turn. I know to do all those things. Same thing for playing receiver. You need to get to that point. And then, of course, the other part of the mental stuff is the mental toughness, the focus, but, but also bouncing back from mistakes. And, and then mental toughness can also be how do you handle success? Go out and have a couple big games. And then say, hey, uh, great! I'm I'm excited. I had big games, but I'm not done yet. I got a lot more work to do, and I've got a lot. I've got still got to get a lot better. And I think those are the things that you that you you say. That's what a receivers coach has to be great at. He has to be great at developing them 
mentally and technically. I think the best coaches do both, in my opinion. So that's going to do it. We couldn't get to all the questions today. There's a lot of great questions. Kenneth James had a really good question or some, a really good one from Tyler Smith. I hope we could get to one uh, of Andre Tonsil that I wanted to get to, but we just uh, we ran out of time. I got some other things that we got to run over to. I got to get this podcast cut up. Uh, but a uh, lot of great questions today. A lot of I enjoyed today's discussion. I want to thank you all for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow for our Friday mailbag. So if you had some questions they didn't get to, please bring those over tomorrow because all we're going to do tomorrow is answer questions. So for Ryan, I'm Brian. Thank you all so, so much. Please hit that like button, folks. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Make sure that you are subscribed to the CFB Nation channel as well and and share that with your friends. And of course, as always, sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you again very soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.